Okay, thanks for coming. Uh, it's a it's a big day in the in the calendar. It's it's uh, the it's Rosh Chodesh Elul, um, and and so this is this is very big news and uh, and marks the just the super highway to Rosh Hashanah, and it's the time to uh, to start getting ready and and uh, and all that all that all that stuff and and to essentially to use this as a time to rediscover our love for God. Um, there, there are so many ways of approaching what it means to be uh, a Jew and what, it, what, what the Torah means to us in our daily lives. And... Um, you know the the, the normal the, the normal sort of uh, kind of uh, journey that a lot of people take is they discover it and they 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 like um, certain aspects of it touch them so incredibly deeply that they decide that that they they understand on a very deep level that this is the truth and and that that this is how they have to live their lives. Or, and and then all of a sudden comes the tsunami of obligation, <laughs> and 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 all of the attendant first cousins of obligation like guilt, <laughs> and and just just everything like that, and it's sort of like you know, and it 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 slowly corrodes the love dynamic and it just becomes a a a a a a process of sort of like um bookkeeping or homework you know one of the one of the things that i find personally kind of um i i don't know tragic frustrating just uh just difficult is is that i I compare my own spiritual process to, say, my eldest sons, and and I'm appreciating the, the 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 difference because I grew up in a sort of a you know very strongly Jewish, very proudly Jewish environment, but not a halachic environment, and and it was really, you know, my 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 investigation of of, of Torah and, and and reality and everything like that, but. My, my love of Torah that really just kept me going and keeps me going and love of Hashem and all the rest. Um, when I see someone going through the yeshiva system and the fact that they have Torah, but there's another word for Torah, homework. <laughs> and Torah is homework for them. And I can't imagine how it, it, it robs it of its majesty. Because, you know, well, there's math, there's science, there's Torah. What? what? <laughs> Just, you're putting Torah on a list of things? And, and so that's, that's a whole nother kind of like uh, mindset that, that I have to just try to solve that riddle because, because Torah can't be homework. It can't be relegated to that place in a person's life, in a person's upbringing, and everything like that. But even on the uh, on another level, in terms of people who are balei tshuva or whatever it is, 
um, or people who are just, you know, interested in keeping their relationship with God fresh and new and alive, there is an inertia to the relationship where the where the rigorousness of the lifestyle just erodes the 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 emotional cleaving that's so necessary. I was mentioning that if you if you look in the Torah, the word after in the Torah itself, not in the Siddur, uh, an extra line is added in the Siddur by, by our sages, but if you just look in a Torah scroll, after it says Shema Yisrael, it says Shema Yisrael, Shema Elokeinu, Shem Echad. The first word after Echad, after the oneness of God, you know, declaring the oneness of God is V'yahavta. And you should love Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your resources, power. Ma'od actually means very, with all your veriness, with all your passions. You know? So, so it has to be a love thing. That God is saying that if you, if you want to reveal my oneness in the world, v'yahavta, that's the very first word afterwards, it has to be from this place of love. In fact, the Rambam mentions that the whole, the whole um, uh, physical <clears throat> delights of a, of a man and a woman being uh, intimate is just to show a person how they are supposed to relate to God. In other words, the level of emotionality and desire that they're supposed to have on an ongoing basis with God. That, that's, that, 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 that interpersonal thing is, is just there to make us aware of the relationship that can and should exist between us and, and the Almighty. So, so it's a real thing when we say, V'yahavta, and you should love. Um, so, so last week we talked about how, how the Yetzirah, um tries to undermine our relationship with God at the heart of our relationship with God, which is in the present moment. And, and how a person can say, a person can even be quote-unquote religious. You know, Rav Shlomo used to say something that, it's, he used to, I heard him say this a dozen times at least. He said, you know, you can get everything right and still be getting everything wrong. Meaning to say, you can be going outwardly speaking, you can be doing everything right, and we have to do the mitzvahs. It's not a question, oh, so I won't do the mitzvahs. That's, that's not it. You have to do the mitzvahs. We have to do the mitzvahs. But there's an extra level to the way that we do them that constitutes getting it right. Every mitzvah has a body and a soul to it. The body of a mitzvah is the outward performance of the mitzvah itself. The soul of the mitzvah is the way in which we perform the mitzvah. For instance, people make a mistake. They think, I love tzedakah. I want to I be a bal tzedakah. Please, God, make me rich so that I can be a, a master of tzedakah. And there's nothing wrong with that prayer, by the way. But, but sometimes it's, it's indicative of, of missing maybe the more central point, which is that 
the definition of a Baal Tzedakah, master of Tzedakah, is not the amount of money they give, it's the way they give the Tzedakah. If a person walks up to another person who's, who's poor and impoverished and, 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 and says kind words and, and lifts them up and gives them enough money for a candy bar, that person is a Baal Tzedakah. And this is not me talking, this is the sages talking. If a person brings a, a, a plate of food to their, to their parent, a gourmet plate of food, but they bring it with a frown on their face and they just plunk it down in front of their parent, that's not the mitzvah kibbut aim. Well, you say, but they served their parent. They did serve their parent. And they brought them gourmet food. They did bring them gourmet food. And they responded to their parent's request. They absolutely did that. So that's called doing everything right and still getting everything wrong. It's not just doing it. It's how we do it. So Elul, I heard from Reb Shlomo in the name of the Yishpitzer Rebbe, Elul is about fixing everything that you're doing right. <laughs> because over the year, spiritual gravity, also known as the Eight Sahara, it pulls you down. It pulls you down and you, you do it, but you're no longer doing these things with your whole heart. So the first thing that we have to get right is we have to reinvest everything we're already doing, everything we already love doing, but we have to get it back to that place of love and passion and beauty. And then, once we fix everything that we're doing right, that's going to give us the strength to conquer new challenges. You know, I remember I was once talking with someone who like, got turned on. And he said to me, we had lunch together, he was like, He's like, he said to me, my parents gave me nothing Jewish. And, you know, I, I felt bad that he had said that. Because he was a really nice guy. He was a very refined person. He, he was a terrific guy. And I said to him, what do you mean your parents didn't give you anything Jewish? Look at the way you comport yourself. You comport yourself like a real mensch. Okay, so maybe maybe you're not putting on tefillin. Maybe you're not keeping Shabbos. Maybe you're not keeping kosher. Maybe maybe you don't have those things. But but to be a, a an emistic, a yid, a real Jew, you have to comport yourself like a real mensch. And you're comporting yourself like a real mensch. Where do you think you got that from? You got that from your parents. They gave you something tremendously Jewish. Okay, so now you've got to fill in some of the missing gaps. Okay, so you'll do that. You'll do that over time. But we have to understand that the whole, the whole package of being a, a shining Jew, that's, that, that's the whole thing. So, so now, like I say, we allow ourselves to get overwhelmed. And we allow... The Yetzirah, or inertia, or whatever you want to call it, laziness, lack of inspiration, whatever you want to call it, to undermine the now. The present tense aspect of our relationship with God, which is the whole of it. 
Because if you think in terms of time, if you want to get a little brainy for a moment, all there ever is is the present moment. Because right now, the moment that I began the sentence is already the past. (laughs) And I haven't finished the sentence yet, because that's the future. So all that's ever going on is right now. (laughs) If you can master the present, you have conquered reality. Because all there is is the present. I heard someone explain it to me one time. I was crossing the street. He was like, I don't know what he was. He was like a construction worker or something. And I remember he called me over from across the street and he said, he said, all of life is this. (laughs) And he was trying to bring home this idea that I'm talking to you. Because all there is is just this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment. Okay. So this is the Parsha. And it's very, it's very relevant because it's coming right at the time of Elul. It's Parsha Sra'eh. And it says, it says, Behold, I'm placing before you a blessing and a curse. And it says, Today, behold, I'm placing before you today a blessing and a curse. So, so the Alexander Rebbe says, what does that mean today? Today means the present moment. I'm placing, God is saying to us, I'm placing before you today, I'm placing before you the present moment, and you can turn that into a blessing or a curse. In other words, it's this cycle of the present. And that we have the ability to move in any direction that we want to move in. Because the present is this unanchored moment. It's this free, independent moment. I once thought of it in these terms. Many of you may remember from math class in high school that a straight line, as much as it looks like a solid substance, is not really a solid substance, mathematically speaking. A straight line is a series of an infinite number of independent points. But it looks like, when you draw it, that it's a solid mass. But it's not a solid mass. It's a series of independent, distinct points. So, what does that have to do with us? Precious Re'eh, Elul, then here and now, for the following reason. Because, let's say I'm heading in a certain direction. Well, for the good or for the bad. Let's say I'm on a diet. And I say, you know what, as much as I'm on a diet, there's chocolate in the refrigerator, and I'm having some chocolate right now, and that's all I know. <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and, I'm heading, and I'm heading toward the refrigerator. So a person thinks, since I'm already heading in that direction, that's the straight line, that's, that's one solid unit, my fate is already sealed, I've committed myself to that straight, solid line, and I no longer have free choice. Guess what? That straight line is not a straight line. 
you're on one island, then you're on another island, and at any point you can you can turn away. Because that one point is not connected to the next point in front of it. Every single moment in time is free and clear. Free and clear. At any moment, even if you've decided something that you're not happy with, at any moment, you can turn and go in a different direction. This is glorious. This is glorious. So... So this also goes by another name. It's called free choice. So it says here, this is now another level within the Pasuk, something beautiful. You know, when Hashem gives us the Ten Commandments at Har Sinai, He refers to Himself, He says, it says, Anochi Hashem Lokecha. I am God, your God. So when God refers to Himself in the context of, of the Torah, when he uses the word I, he uses the word Anochi. And the Ishbitzer Rebbe says something interesting. If you, you know, in Hebrew, the word Chaf kind of looks like a backward C. The letter Chaf, rather, is a prefix in Hebrew. It means like. So if you rearrange the letters of Anochi, it, it, it spells out Ke-Ani, like I, meaning to say, as awesome as all the pyrotechnics at Har Sinai were at the revelation of the Torah. And remember, it was in the middle of the desert. There was a shofar blast that just got louder and louder and louder. You know, there was fire. Heaven came down to earth. Our souls flew out of our bodies. The mountain broke out in flowers. I mean, just awesome, awesome. We, we heard colors and saw words. As much as all those miracles took place, it's just anochi ke ani. That's just like me. This is just this is just a little taste. This is just a little taste of Hashem, you know. So, so anochi refers to Hashem. So now let's revisit this pasuk here. Re'e anochi nosein lefnechem hayom, which is behold anochi I Hashem. And placing before you today a blessing and a curse. Meaning to say, I Hashem am blessing you with the power of free choice. This comes from me to you. And you can use your free choice however you want to use it. Now listen to this. You know, we have all these tens in Torah. We've got the Ten Commandments, which is actually... There's more than Ten Commandments in the Ten Commandments. We call it the uh, Saras Adibros. It's really the Ten Words. But then we also have the uh, Saras Maimaros, the Ten Sayings. These are the, the, the words that Hashem created the world with. And we also have the Ten Plagues. And they all correlate with each other, by the way. And there are amazing correlations and all sorts of systems in terms of interrelating them. But to isolate right now the Ten Commandments and the Ten Utterances of Creation... There's a way of correlating them where the creation of man, let us create man, correlates with thou shalt not bear false testimony in the Ten Commandments. You have to look at how that system works exactly, but that's the, that's the correlation. So let's just say that again just to have this in our mind. What is the connection between this utterance 
in terms of the creation of the world, let us create man, and the commandment in the in the Aseris Adibros, thou shalt, excuse me, thou shalt not bear false testimony. And so I want to say like this, that in this you see the drama of creation. That that a human being is blessed with free will. Even to the extent that we have the free will to deny God and God's existence. God goes so far in terms of His giving us free will, He even gives us the free will to deny His existence as He's keeping us alive. Can you imagine the hilarity of that dynamic? That as God is keeping us alive, we're saying there is no God. It's crazy. But God does that just because God is not me or you. God is beyond, 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 beyond. So, so God says, don't bear false testimony. Don't use the free will that I'm giving you to choose incorrectly. Eventually, the world will come to a place where we all recognize God. This, this will be the, the zmanatikun, the, the perfection of the world that we're driving toward. The recognition of God. Um, so, so I want to connect this to something that um, came to me later on in the Parsha. You know, there's a, an amazing, amazing, amazing thing, and it, it exists in, these, in, in two Parshas actually. And it's a whole field in itself, and I'd actually like to give a whole talk on it, just to go through the different um, aspects of it, which is of the false prophet. The false prophet is a really really powerful, uh, strange thing in the Torah. God says that, that I'm going to bring a false prophet before you, or there will, there will be such a category of a false prophet, and that this prophet will actually perform signs and wonders. So, so he'll actually make a miracle. Or miracles. But if he says to you, now don't follow the mitzvahs of the Torah, or if it's said in his name, don't follow the mitzvahs of the Torah, then that's a false prophet. And why am I doing this, God says? To test you. To test you to see if you really love me with all of your heart. You know, I heard from Reb Shlomo in the name of the Rambam, that we don't believe in God because of miracles. I'll say that again. We don't believe in God because of miracles. It's beyond that. It's beyond that. That means, let's just really make this real. Imagine you're standing in front of this wizard, this quote-unquote holy man, right? Somehow he's arrived in the world, right? History has recorded personages like this. And let's just say in this made-up example that I'm giving you right now, this, this quote-unquote prophet is able to reach into the sky somehow or summon the moon to come from the sky into the palm of his hand. 
Right? And you're seeing this. This is not a, an illusion. You're actually seeing this with your own eyes. And then he takes it and he throws it back up into the sky. And then he says, Now everyone, you see what I'm capable of? No one has to keep Shabbos anymore from now on. Do you know what the Torah says to do with that person? Kill him. <laughs> Kill him. You know, you bring him before the Sanhedrin, and there's a process, and you say, well, wait a second. I just saw a miracle. That was not, that was not a delusion. That, was, that just happened. So, and now this is really the, the just the, the, the mind-expanding kind of like amazing thing is that Rashi says, asks the obvious question that we're all thinking whether, whether, we're, whether even we know we're thinking it or not, which is, why did God give this false prophet the power to do it to begin with? Because obviously that power came from God. Why did God allow him to do that thing? And then Rashi answers the question, he says, well, that's what the Pasuk means when God says, I'm testing you. I'm testing you. To see if you love, to see if you love me, God, meaning, with all of your heart and soul. So, you know, re'e means to see. So there's, there's different kinds of seeing. There's seeing with your eyes, and then there's a deeper seeing which goes beyond the superficial, which goes beyond what you see with your eyes. You know, they used to say about the Chos of Lublin, the seer of Lublin, that he was able to read people's foreheads, that on their foreheads he could see any, any averas that a person had, anything that a person did wrong. He could see whatever their past incarnations were. They said that he had the soul of the prophet Yeshaya. Okay, he, he was a very, very, very great Rebbe, one of the greatest, one of the greatest Jews ever. So the story goes that someone came to see him, and he covered his forehead, right? Because he was very self-conscious. He wanted to see the Chos of Lublin, but you know. So he covered his forehead and walked in to see the Chosa, and the Chosa said. I can see. Do you think God can see? If, if I were that guy, I don't know what I would do. Put my hand down or turn around and run as fast as I could. <laughs> I don't know what I would do at that moment exactly. But, um, but there are different levels of seeing. And you know, everybody knows that when you say Shema Yisrael, you cover your eyes. And the explanation that I heard from Rabbi Blech, which I love, is that is that if you want to if you want to connect with the oneness of God, you can't do it with your eyes open. To see with your eyes open is to see kind of the veils of the material world. But if you want to get in touch with that aspect which informs all of creation, which animates all of creation to see past the superficial. For that type of seeing, for that recognition, that level of recognition of God's oneness, 
You have to see past just what your eyes say and cover your eyes. And then you can connect with the deeper aspects. And so it is with Amuna. See, but I want to extend this principle of the false prophet a little bit, a little bit further. And this is me talking right now. But, you know, everybody, especially in America, especially in Western society, wants to be quote-unquote successful. Whatever that means, right? I'm giving a talk, I guess, this Wednesday night. And they said, speak about, speak on the topic of success. And so I thought, okay. And they said, okay, now we need a title. <laughs> I said, what about success? <laughs> and then I thought, well, that might sound strange. I thought, true success, that's good. And I thought, no, I don't like that either. And then I said, how about the mystery of success? And he said, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, so success is somewhat mysterious. How we define it, and how we define it is really, that's really the key to being successful, how you define it. That's the brilliance of the Chachamim, by the way. Our sages define everything. See, because when there's no clarity, when there's no real definition, there's no clarity. Once you have definition, you have clarity, then you have a set of goals, then you can achieve your goals. But the, the thing is, is that the Yetzirah tries to keep us just one thought away from actually getting clarity. Keeps us busy, 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 busy. And then we're always just kind of running around after our own tails instead of really having a, a path in front of us that's understandable. So, so I want to say like this. There are people who make a lot of money. God bless them. Nothing wrong with that. They make a lot of money and they're not, they're not doing the right thing. However, we're supposed to define that. I'm not saying they're not doing anything right, but they're not, let's say they're not keeping Shabbos or they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not doing what, what the Torah asks us to do. And they send a message to people, people like this. Because people look at those people and they say, you see, you can be successful, you can make a lot of money, this is the path, this is how you make a lot of money. Do this, and you don't have to do anything else. And to me, it's a little taste of the false prophet. It's a, little t- it's a little taste of that. Because they set an example that if you want to achieve success or whatever it is, this is how you do it, and you don't have to keep the Torah. And we'll call it success and we'll celebrate it as success. And people go, I want to be like that. And so they run away from, from what we're really supposed to be doing in this lifetime. And you know, if you even want to take it a little bit deeper, a person can look in their own lives. And sometimes a person in their own life, they achieve a certain success a certain way, which may have not been as straight. And they say, they become a false prophet to themselves. They say, ah, this is how you do it. Or, ah, it's possible to do it this way and not that way. 
And so we have to eradicate that aspect within ourselves. To think that we can do it without God somehow. To think that we can be successful or live a life of meaning without God somehow. It's an illusion. We have to uproot that. We have to get rid of that thought. Because ultimately it's not real. Ultimately it's not real. Um, you know, I'm sorry we got a late start today. I apologize. I don't mean to be keeping you like this. But I just want to, there's so much to say, but I, I just want to end on a, a, a personal note. <clears throat> you know, maybe maybe the worst message that the Yetzirah tries to send us is that we don't count. I heard someone send me a, uh, my friend Devere send me a, uh, a quote from the Lubavitcher Rebbe that, you know what your birthday means? Your birthday is God's saying, God's way of saying, you count. <laughs> you matter. <laughs> so, we all count and we all matter. You know, like Reb Shlomo said one time, the way to put your child to bed you say to your child, I love you and I need you and Hashem loves you and Hashem needs you and you're beautiful. You know, that everyone needs to know that they matter and they count. And yet, it's so easy to forget that. But then sometimes God opens up our eyes just just how things work sometimes. And... Uh, and I'll just share this like kind of one personal story with you. I, you know, around the time that I became observant, it was this parsha really that I was tested in a parsha's re'eh, where they told me that they were going to fire me from my work and that I'd never work in my field again if I if I wanted to keep Shabbos and. Um, and I, I held on to Shabbos because I thought, you know what, nothing bad is going to come from keeping Shabbos. Even if I have to change my career, nothing bad is going to come from keeping Shabbos. And so, um, and it worked out, and I actually was able to, to stay in my profession. And, and, uh, and around the time that that happened, I remember I very much wanted to get married. And that went on for a number of years. So, uh, there was a whole... Several years, I was really trying to get married and didn't didn't find uh, didn't find my wife, and it was a difficult period in my life. And uh, and I thought to myself, I had heard a teaching about keeping Shabbos. Well, not about keeping Shabbos, but about Shabbos itself. Famous Medrash, you're probably familiar with it. I think a very beautiful teaching, where Sunday has a soulmate and it's Monday, and Tuesday has a soulmate and it's Wednesday, and Thursday has a soulmate and it's Friday, and Shabbos is left out in the cold. And Shabbos says to Hashem, who's going to be my soulmate? And Hashem says back, your soulmate is going to be the Jewish people. So Shabbos and the Jewish people are soulmates. And there's a lot that can be said on that, but we'll leave it off to the side for a moment. So I thought to myself, maybe, who knows, maybe God, in the merit of keeping Shabbos, maybe I'll, uh, maybe you'll send me my wife. 
And this is, this is something that I didn't realize for many, many, many years. You know, they have these, uh, these, these calendar books, if you've seen them, like a 100-year calendar, 150-year calendar. It's a, it's a good book to have in the house. One of our favorite things is, is to look at people's Jewish birthdays. A lot of people don't know their Jewish birthdays, and it's just a good thing to have, or yurt sites or things like that. So one day, not too long ago, I, I just decided to check what day it was that I had this whole incident at work where they were going to fire me, but I, 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 I stood strong and firm to Shabbos, you know? And I, I checked the date, and can you believe it? It was my wedding anniversary. Four years to the day, to the day, it was my wedding anniversary. And I tell you that because, well, for a few reasons. Because God pays attention. God pays attention. God's watching. He's watching. Not only is He watching, but He's exceedingly, exceedingly, exceedingly exact. Exceedingly exact. Do you want to hear how exact? Well, that's one illustration. <laughs> um, I'll give you another illustration from the Gomorrah. It's just a piece of imagery, but it made a big impression on me, which is there's something called, I guess in English, I'm not a contractor, I, I, I don't know much about construction. It's called a plumb line, P-L-U-M-B. Um, apparently, it, 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 it checks straightness. So, for instance, if you were to build a wall, okay, you would put a plumb line next to the wall and that, that plumb line will tell you whether the wall is straight or not. So it says God is holding a plumb line in his hands just to see. He's, he measures. He measures. It's, it's with, with great exactness. But the thing is, is that there's so much going on in life. There's so many different accounts going on simultaneously. And let's remember past lives. And let's remember where God is directing us in the future. There's so much going on simultaneously. And things that would make sense to us. God, I did this. Give me that. You know it makes sense. (laughs) You know I want that for you. You know I did that, not for me, for you. I did that for you, and I only want that for you. So give me that. And we don't get that. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we think it's, it's a contradiction. God is either not paying attention, or He doesn't care, or chaz v'shalom something else, or maybe I'm worthless, or who knows what. So the answer is, you do count. (laughs) You're not worthless. God is watching. God does care. God is exceedingly exact. And for whatever moment, it may not be the time just this moment. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, 
for whatever reason. But that's okay. Just keep on doing mitzvahs. Just don't let go. Just keep it. Keep the love alive. Keep the love alive. Don't be overwhelmed with the homework aspect of the religion. And God should bless us all, really, just with the best, sweetest year. You know, there's a teaching that says when Elul comes around, the king is in the field. You know, one of the most... I had heard this in some class or somewhere, and I think it may have only happened once to me in my life, but when it happened to me, it's a moment that I'll never let go of, which is that with young children... There's a certain moment, and I think this lasts probably a very brief, very brief period in in a person's life where the parent can get mad at the child, and really for a whole life, what do we do? The child runs away. But there's a little window, and I experienced this in my own life with, with with my eldest when he was a little boy, where I got mad and he ran to me. He ran to me and embraced me. And so, so we get to choose. We get to choose what our relationship with God is. We get to choose. We get to choose. That's the hayom. That's the present moment. That's the independent dot within the line. We get to choose and at any moment we can redefine the relationship. And whatever it is, wherever we're holding with God, let's just run to Him and grasp onto Him and not let go.